0: Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MeatEater for 10% off your purchase. This is the meat-eater podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwear-less. We'll hunt the meat-eater podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by X Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play store. Know where you stand with OnX.
1: Spencer, what was the point you were just making? A lot of uh, like books, legally, allow you to shoot a male turkey based on the what do appearance. You mean books? Like Children's books. No, 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 no. Oh. Like regulation books. Okay. Regs. Yes, that's a- what we call them, Spencer. Allow you to fill a male turkey tag based on the presence of a beard or spurs. Either or. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, can you imagine like being out in the woods and have a turkey come by and be like, no beard no fan not that that's like an indication but not a legal one right right but then So yeah like, cuz there are toms with no spurs and there's toms with no beards yeah so I, I i can't imagine a scenario where you'd be like shooting them off the spurs there it is spurs legal bird reason i made you re, uh remake that point is is
0: we were just talking to this fella about hunting oscillated turkeys so for uh you knuckleheads at home All the – there are – we've covered this a bazillion times. The regular old American wild turkey, there's five sort of like, you know, there's five what some people like to call subspecies of the regular old American wild turkey. Rattle them off, Yanni.
2: Uh, Starting down in the southwest, the Gould's (laughs) turkey. Moving over to the southeast and most of the eastern part of the country, you have the eastern – but down in the southeast tip of, or southern, I guess, end of Florida, you have the Osceola. And then in the central part and into the mountains, we have the Rio Grande turkeys and the Merriam's turkeys. Man, that was great. Great job.
0: I like that little thing where you uh, skipped over a bunch of the country, then doubled back. <laughs> <laughs> you went like west to east, and then doubled back.
2: Well, I started, but I went south and stayed in the south.
0: Oh, Yeah, And then came up the eastern seaboard. Yeah, you did. You were going like counter... You were starting in the south-south going counterclockwise. I like it. Uh, Anyways, there's a thing. There's another whole other species of turkey, which is kind of like a turkey and a peacock had sex. The oscillated turkey, which lives in Yucatan, um, areas of Central America, Guatemala. I think they got them in... uh, Does Belize? Yeah, I think people hunt them in Belize. Oscillated turkeys. Anyways, dude was telling me, there's two ways. Like The oscillated turkey lives out in the jungle, low jungle. Not like high canopy monkey jungle, but low jungle. And a lot of times people go down and hunt them in the fields. They just like like slash and burn egg. And people like to hunt oscillated turkeys in the fields. The reason he was telling me they like to hunt oscillated turkeys in the fields is because you can see their footwear. Oh. Because these things have some obscene spurs. Footwear meaning
2: Spurs. You, you want to see how giant their spurs are. And if he's
0: out in a field, you can actually judge them.
2: Mm. Wow. You can
0: judge a trophy judge them.
2: Real limb hangers.
0: Yeah, you can see if he's got limb hangers or not.
2: Well, I think every single one of those buggers has limb hangers. Some of them just like wrap Extra wrap limb. around the limb Extra halfway. limb hangers.
0: Uh Two So far, there could be more. So far, two of the guests who've been on this show, Jim Heffelfinger and Tommy Edson, have uh, overcome the dreaded COVID-19. That got me thinking, have been afflicted and persevered. Tommy Edson said it was the second sickest he's ever been, so I promptly called him to ask him about what the first was. But... uh Heffelfinger, he barely knew he was sick, but got sick, and that got me wondering: Is it like, is being on this show, and like, someone should do some math? Is there a higher likelihood that higher than Nash, higher? You know, what I'm trying to say, does does, it, does being on the show mean that there's a higher likelihood that you get COVID nineteen?
3: You're in a high risk group if you're on, yeah, the or
0: or does it match the gen- the population in general? Like, what percent? Of Americans.
4: Do we have a representative sample? That's
0: what I'm trying to get at. I um, I want it, man. I just want to get it over with.
4: Well, I mean, you very well could already had it. That's though. what happened
0: to him. He went down and took Jim Heffelfinger. Went, Tommy Edson just got sick as shit, and he found out he had it because he got the test. Heffelfinger was just curious if he'd had it. Got the thing and realized he'd had it a long time ago.
3: My wife got yeah. real mad when I said I'd volunteer to get it.
0: Yeah. I got a friend, I don't want to say who, one of the individuals that I'm talking about right here uh, was saying that in his view, uh, if it wasn't for the risk of overwhelming the healthcare system, he says, I think we should all be licking doorknobs, but he says he's been very protective of his mother because she's older and he wants her to hole up, but he said she's got a bunch of coupons burning a hole in her pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get down to the store with your coupons before they expire. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I want it though. I mean, I don't want, I'm not trying to be morbid. I just want to like, no, I want to get it and no.
4: I was speaking with a friend of mine yesterday and um, a coworker of his uh, has, the antibodies had it, has been uh, in, you know, in quarantine with her family, young children, and nobody else in her family Got it.
0: I bet they got it, but this didn't show. Same thing with Tommy.
4: Oh, like no, but they didn't show antibodies or. Oh, anything, I see so. what you're saying.
0: Really? Yeah. And she well, just like floats around in the air for like nine months. Man, I think gets it gets on your. <laughs> <point>. <laughs>
2: Obviously, we don't quite have this thing nailed down.
1: <clears throat>
2: you know, what if um you're gonna end up being one of those guys that we heard about in Turkey camp last week that uh, it just does, gets it, his
0: dick in the dirt.
2: Well, not only that, but six three months later, he's still, you know, suffering and lungs aren't feeling too good. Sure,
0: that's a that that's a risk. I'm just saying, okay. I'm I'm trying. I want to like put some brackets around what I'm saying. I don't want to then become. I don't want to then infect people who don't want to be infected. All this. If I could, if I could go to my fit. Here's the thing. If I could go to my fish shack with a little vial. Of spit of, from Tommy Edson spit, and from then right, I'd go to my fish shack by myself, drink Tommy Edison spit, and then wait till I have whatever. Wait f- two weeks and go home. I would do it. I would too. Just to just to know, I even have like in my notes, I have a thing like when I envision me and like it, you know that Saving Private Ryan where the real bad Kraut? they get in that um, they're like in that knife fight. Oh, And he's like, I'm going to stab it near your throat. Then the knife turns. He's like, I'm going to stab it near your throat. And he gets the knife turned. He's like, I'm going to stab it near your throat. Right? And they go back and forth like that. I imagine me and it in a battle like that. And I like to think eventually I would turn it and just into his throat. I have to know. I have. It's like, I got to know.
4: Man, I, yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure like everybody, I had this real weird sickness when, uh, I went down to California and it was just not feeling right. Um, for the, you know, three days I was down there.
2: You're saying everybody's In like this.
4: December. Right. And yeah, so I'm on like the part of me that's like, boy, I feel like I've already got it. Cause that was a, just a weird thing that I don't feel December, like I've had December, that'd
0: be way too early.
4: Not for no. cases in
0: California. You know, I heard a rumor, it's just a rumor so I don't want to say too much, but I heard a rumor that you and I were at a place, at a gathering. Yeah, I bet. Back in mid-February, and there have been cases traced to the gathering that you and I were at.
4: I bet. I bet. A large gathering. Every wildlife related gathering in the, in the U S
0: all happens <laughs> February and March.
4: Yeah. And every, every state agency person that I've been speaking with, uh, in the last couple months, which is a lot, they're always like, Oh yeah, this conference that we had six biologists at that all flew back home had X amount of confirmed cases. So
0: yeah, I'm ready to move on. I, um, I'm ready to move on in more ways than one. Uh, I'm ready to move on. In more, uh, let's talk about a new thing.
2: I, I'm gonna, but I want to finish it with. I hope that you don't get it because I don't think you're fully think, thinking it through. I know you want to have that that knife battle with COVID nineteen, but uh, I hope you don't get it and yet to live wondering I, what it would be like. I hope you don't get it. Thanks. But I don't want to get it. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. No, I want to get it if I
0: knew that it wasn't going to be that bad. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> kind of like I want to get scratched uh, by a grizzly
2: bear. Yeah, nah, like I want to get mildly, I want to get mildly bracket, scratched. That other bracket you're talking. <laughs> about. I want to get All mildly right, scratched by a grizzly. Oh, so
0: funny. Uh, there, there's a new trend, a new shooting sports trend. If you follow, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go on. I'm on Instagram. Go on Instagram at, at Stephen S-T-E-V-E-N, Rinella. Um And you'll see a video I just put up of uh, th- people have always gone out onto public land or, uh, pl- pl- you know, areas and l- threw garbage everywhere and dumped appliances and computer monitors and what have you and beer cans and shot them all to hell. Mm-hmm. That's always happened. It's always been horrible, but it's always happened. There's a new thing of that you go out to public land and do all the normal stuff. You still dump all your garbage. You still dump all your beer cans. You shoot them all to hell. You don't pick them up. You strew paper everywhere. Don't pick any of that up. Shell casings everywhere. Don't pick that up. Light, junk on fire, all that. But the new thing is there's an added thing of shooting trees over. Have you seen this? I saw it
3: on your video that you posted. You, it,
0: it, and we—how many places have we seen sh- trees shot over this spring? Two. No, two regions.
2: Multiple locations. Oh, oh, sure, multiple locations within those spot in those zones. Yeah,
0: I probably in the one location I probably saw a half dozen places. No, I think honestly, I think it was more than a half dozen places where people had of more than a half dozen tr- clusters of trees where people had engaged in tree shooting over. And I gather it's just like every time you go out, every time you get a couple dollars saved up, you buy enough ammo to go and whittle away at the trees some more.
2: Well, yeah, it saves you money on not having to buy the targets or beer, having beer cans. No, I think that it's not because they're putting targets on the trees. It looked like they were They are be... deliberately... No, but what I'm saying is if, if you don't have a target... You just use the tree as a target. And shoot
3: trees over. Mm -hmm. But you'd have to be buying some serious bulk ammo.
0: Oh, it's a long-term project engaged by groups of people is shooting trees over. It is the ugliest, ugliest thing. It gives such a black, like this garbage dumping public land. Now, I'm not opposed. I shoot on public. Every time we go to shoot, we shoot on public land, typically. Clean your junk up, man. Oh, I told you that state. It's just ground? like humiliating. It's humiliating to be, to to see it and have to be like, that's a version of me. That's like a dude that likes to shoot. I bet mean, he likes to hunt, maybe, but he also likes to just shit up the woods. The uh,
4: Spencer took us out to a chunk of state ground not too far from here. And I've been out there a couple of times to uh, shoot. And there's typically always somebody shooting out there. But I always, you know, build my uh, cardboard box target. Uh, and and go through
0: all the hassle of wandering over there and picking it back up.
4: <laughs> well, now the box is absolutely necessary because I have to go pick up everybody else's crap.
0: Oh, you come home with your box full of everybody else's junk.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's it was shocking. And the thing is, just like you were saying before I cut you off, is... I'm just a person shooting, as is everybody else who's driving on that road. And it's right next to the road. I'm indistinguishable from the next person. And if they they ever stop, they're going to be like, holy shit, these people are pigs. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, ugh, it's bad. It's so bad.
0: The reason you got to be extra careful with your garbage when you go shooting is because I I imagine, okay, let's say you, you... found the last ten people who totally shitted up one of these tree shooting over areas. Okay. And you you uh surveyed them somehow or interviewed them. I bet you if they had gone to a pristine place that wasn't shitted up, they wouldn't have shitted it up. They wouldn't have shatted it up. They're certainly less less likely to. But the minute someone goes and leaves all their trash and their casings laying everywhere and tries to shoot a tree down. The next mug that goes there is like, oh, I guess this is just one of those spots. And what's the difference now? There's there's no other way. Like, the, the video I put on Instagram doesn't even begin. That went on for hundreds of yards. Yeah, it's, it is it is. Yeah, that's an exaggeration. No. Poor it's not. way to act. That went on for two hundred yards. A lot of lead
2: laying in the ground. I didn't there, have didn't enough I... film to film it all. Maybe we should uh inquire and see if there's maybe some like old dumps that you know, maybe portions of dumps aren't being uh used anymore for you know regular dumping, and then we could steer these people to go to the dump. Well, at toke, tot- you, you go to the dump to shoot. If you leave your there you go. Well, oh. you go to a gravel pit. It's kind of hard to mess up a gravel pit. Like, a
0: gravel pit's already messed up.
4: I like what you're saying, though, Giannis, because then you'd be like, if you can't bear to part with your trash without shooting it, (laughs) (laughs) here's Mm a lane for you at the county dump, at the county landfill. Yeah, when
0: you pull in, they weigh your truck. They're like,
3: if you're shooting, go shoot over there. Or they could charge you for a busted TV. Like, they make a little extra money. it will be like, here, you want a TV? Take this one. Five yeah. dollars. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> now you, you go to the dump. Yeah, you can go to the dump yeah. and buy
0: garbage from the dump yep. to shoot up. Pick up glad, whatever you want, and yep. they every week they just bulldoze it back into a dumpster and everybody gets to shoot garbage. Yep. And they can put old dead trees up and people can shoot them over. I think that we... You know what I want to do? There's a local little r- river access site that I wanted to do a cleanup on. I would rather... Because I feel more like um complicit as a as a person that goes and shoots that, that uses public lands to shoot. I don't want shooting on public lands to become illegal. That'd be a real pain in the ass. I think that we should start a thing and now and then go to an area that's been totally shitted up. I got so many ideas of where to do this. Go to and also some of it's Wirehauser land. We just found some Wirehauser land that had been like basically, just like, like completely desecrated by recreational shooters. And it's a lot easier for a place like Wirehauser to be like, you know what, man, we're done, no more. For those not
4: uh, aware, Wirehauser is is one of the largest landowners in the U.S. And they're pretty good about access. It's a private entity. It's a um, timber company. And yeah, historically very good about access.
0: If I was the CEO of Wirehauser and I had to be driving down the road where I'm talking about, I'd be like, you know what? I don't care, man. Lock that. That's date. it. Yeah, that's it. Very good about access to the point that a lot of people who
4: recreate on Wirehauser land just think that it's U.S. Forest Service land.
0: Yeah, like, they I recently don't confronted know that some guys. Private. We were just recently walking down a road on Wirehauser land. It's a sign. Very clearly expressing all no motorized anything, so it's like they got a sign up. It's like it's got a quad runner with a slash through it, it's got a truck with a slash through it, it's got a
2: motorcycle with a slash through it, it's got a snowmobile with a slash through it. A couple days after you were there, I parked in front of that gate. It's like it it had recently rained, I didn't see any fresh tracks cutting in there. Oh no, and a grader had gone down the main road, and I didn't see any. Tracks. It was pretty early in the morning. I didn't see any tracks cutting the the edge of the grader, you know. And uh, so I'm just like, oh, I'll just park in front of the gate, and that'll keep if anybody's thinking about driving up there, they don't, they can't go. And I'll be up there by myself. Well, sure enough, I'm up there. I've been hiking already for probably close to two hours, and here comes a little side by side. Really? <laughs> yeah. So they were cool. They drove me down i moved the truck. They drove me back up so I could continue hunting. But they worked for Wirehauser. No, they oh, were out just that's, uh, breaking okay. the law, just like what you're describing. Well, this gate that had been
0: left open, but there was no like mistaking what was supposed to happen here. Mm-hmm. We hiked up it, and I come to an old Forest Service truck. I was like, that's weird, like an old, like a you know 80s Forest Service truck. And I thought, like, I don't know, maybe they have, maybe Wirehouse, I don't know, maybe they bought Bolt Forest Service trucks and their guys use them, I don't know. So eventually here comes a couple guys ripping down the road on motorbikes. And then I realized that they drove their motorbikes in, in the truck. So they load their motorbikes up and then I'm walking all the hell way back down the road and they pull up and ask if I want to ride. And I said, you guys work here? And he looks at me like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, cause you're not, I'm not going to get in because you're not supposed to drive here. They're like, they're super like, wire super clear about that. And it looked at me like I was like a Martian.
2: <laughs> they're like, who is this Wirehauser?" <laughs> The gate's open, bro. Didn't you see?
0: Yeah, it just kills me.
2: Anyways, I think it's a good
0: project, and this would be something you should spearhead, Cal. We should um, develop a thing where now and then we take a day off of work. I'm tracking so far. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Take a day off work and go to places where people have shot the hell out of the area. Yep. And... Clean up everything. The trees that have been shot over, cut them down off at the ground. Cut the rest of it up into stove wood. And uh, totally spit shine that place.
4: Then we can have a little leave behind sign or something.
0: It says this place spit shined for your benefit. Keep it that way. Yeah, Keep it spit shined.
2: Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
0: I would love to do we that. We
2: talked about this on the last podcast, though, right? We talked At, about cleaning up a, after we had been to Missoula and seen that, didn't we? Oh, do we talk about shooting trees over? Yeah, we did. Yeah, a little bit. That's all right. right.
4: That's a message worth pounding twice.
2: No. I'm going to make it, it my was thing. just interesting man. up there because it's obviously been going on long enough and there's seen enough of it that there already was a Forest Service sign that said, no shooting of trees. As if you need Like to an have, actual sign, like a as commissioned if you need to to sign. have a effing sign. To know you're not supposed to shoot trees. They shoot them over at about chest height.
3: Chest, neck height. Because they're standing and...
2: No, every, every young man, when he gets his first axe and he's kind of cut loose, what do you go do? Chop trees You go trees and down. chop trees down, right? And then you get reprimanded for chopping green trees down. And most people, I think, learn their lesson. Yeah, and that's go, go. around
0: when you're seven or eight years old.
2: Exactly. So I don't the,
0: think seven and eight-year-olds are driving up.
2: No, that's the point I'm getting to, buddy. They, <laughs> no, yeah. they missed that lesson.
0: We we had a game as kids. You remember there there used to be a show none of you guys remember this. There was a show called Name That Tune. And I don't remember how it went, but somehow like there was like a thing where you'd go like the host, I don't know, his name's Bill or whatever. You'd be like, "Bill, I can name that tune in five notes." And then uh, they, they must like play I don't know what it is. They play five notes then you'd say what it is. Wish I could remember the details better. Anyways, we had a version we'd call chop that tree. And you would uh, <laughs> you would have an axe or what have you, and you'd look at a sassafras tree or something, and you'd say, uh, Matt, I think I can chop that tree in five swings. And then you'd see if you could do it. I like And we'd
1: it. do it sort of to the rhythm and cadence of name that tune. <laughs> Shooting affordable. over a tree like never uh never ever crossed my mind. And I was talking to Cal in December. I asked him if I could borrow his steel chainsaw to go harvest a Christmas tree, and he said, "Well, you don't want to use your 12 gauge. (laughs) (laughs) You don't don't have a gun."
4: (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, we used to do Christmas tree hunting every year, and uh, we would uh, take my 10 gauge shotgun and uh, select a nice Christmas tree.
2: What diameter? would the trunk be when when you're gonna you know just, just like Charlie it. Brown cherries you know what's, what's the like...
3: best load shot size for that
2: project whatever you got <laughs> yeah but yeah. like three inches yeah no more than that yeah right, right one shot right would there. do it a
4: lot of times you could get it in one shot yeah
2: yeah from, from how range? far what range yeah
4: oh
0: real close like ten feet and under. You know, when we did our Christmas special, we had a lot of emails. Like I think there was three from people whose tradition is to shoot trees down and bring them home. That's different because at least you're shooting it down for a purpose. It's different than shooting down 18
1: inch diameter ponderosas. Yeah. And how clean of a cut would that be when you were done, Cal? (laughs)
2: Oh,
4: I mean, there's a little trim work involved in
1: in it for sure. It, It looked like someone shot it with a shotgun.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. I had you know one of those real. Tight strangler choke tubes on the ten gauge, and uh, yeah, that I mean it it'll it'll drop a tree.
0: Oh, Brody, weren't you supposed to be calculating out what gauge a four ten is?
3: Well, we talked about. It. I never did the calculation. You haven't calculated it out yet. Uh, let's figure it out. Yeah, work on that. Get back to me.
0: Uh, tree shooting down. Talked about that being a total asshole shooting trees down. Talked about that. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. Next thing I want to jump into. Spencer, can you review for us what happened when you called the, 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 the man, the morel man?
1: Yes. Yeah, so last. Are podcast, you buying it? The last podcast. Please review. Please review. Right. We, <laughs> uh, we talked about Ronald Orr, the San Francisco State University student that figured out how to grow morels, but then was murdered. Under mysterious circumstances. Or not. Or not. Right. He cracked the code of morels, was murdered before his patent was granted. Yeah, my theory was that it was a hit job by Little Caesars. Right, right, because he had a lucrative contract <laughs> with Domino's. So it was uh, Jimmy John's or Dave Thomas or somebody yeah. that was after him. Nobody had been able to crack Are you gonna the code. Am I going
0: to get sued off? now by Little Caesars? Nah. nah
1: I don't nah. want to be like Alex Jones. I'll be getting sued by people for... <laughs> so for 40 years, no one has cracked this code on how to grow. Morales like Ronald Ower did. O-R-R? O-E-R, I think.
0: O-E-R. E-R. Oh, excuse me.
1: O-W-E-R. Ower. Yeah, all right. Ronald Ower. Uh, but recently, some articles out of Iowa and some some news stations have covered this. Uh, some newspapers have covered this. A mushroom farmer there claims to have figured out how to grow morale mushrooms. And this spring, he harvested about 100 pounds, he said. And this is after a decade's worth of efforts. And so I, I-, I was going to... Try to track him down and talk to him about what his process is, if he's scared for his life, those sorts of things. But well, you did track him down. <laughs> I did track him down. Okay. Yep. Uh, and your your question, Steve, you said, when you talk to him, ask him this, why are they so hard to grow? Yep. So I asked him that. Um, he didn't have a great answer. So then I went to the internet. The internet doesn't have a great answer either. But basically what he said and what the rest of the internet agrees with is that it just takes very, very, very specific conditions. It takes the perfect soil moisture. I don't uh, believe that the perfect humidity, uh, the the perfect like air temperature, all those things to make this happen. It, it's and then same with growing carrots. L- well, so and then like the specifics of this are amplified when you have to also have a tree involved. So mm. then you're like you're like working with two things. You're trying to make things perfect for the mushroom, as well as uh, you know. Because of symbiotic. Work with this, yeah, symbiotic relationship that it has with the tree. So those two things just kind of compound the difficulties of growing a morale mushroom. I'll buy that part about the tree part for sure. Yeah. So I asked him, I said, what is your process like? Can we skip ahead? Is he scared for his life? He's not. Okay. He was aware, he's <laughs> aware of Ronald Ower. Um, he has looked at the patent. Nothing in his process is inspired by the patent. Um, so there's no relationship here between Ronald Ower's like growing strategy and his. Yeah. But the, the man, I mean, the
0: powerful pizza
1: lobby or the underground underworld, Mm -hmm. I mean, they might still get him. This is also something I asked him. I said, do you, their business interests at this point? He said, yes, but nothing that he is acting on at this point. His name is Josh Osborne. Oh, you're allowed to say his name. Yeah, sure. I mean, the newspapers covered well, this. Yeah, it is uh, blues, blues best mushrooms out of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, he said his process is actually not um, like that unique to growing mushrooms. It's very similar to what you do with other mushrooms that you cultivate. It starts with spores in a petri dish. From there, is that right? Yeah. Once he, once he in this lab environment, the spores in the petri dish, the mycelium starts to grow. The mycelium is what the the little white fibers that live in trees.
0: Yeah. So under like if you imagine, uh, this isn't a great, just a little bit helpful. Imagine that uh, you have an apple tree. The mycelium is the apple tree, living underground, and then the morels are the apples, which just
1: happen to form at the Earth's surface. That's a great analogy. You like that? Yeah. Like well, it? Got- yep. That's that's very helpful when you're thinking about morels. I often
0: get criticized for my analogies. I like that one.
1: No. Yeah. So. My wife doesn't like them.
4: Well, this one's appropriate. Yes. That's the difference. My wife
1: doesn't like them. (laughs) Spores in a Petri dish, which then turn into the mycelium. The mycelium is transferred to a eight by eight inch plastic bag. From there, once the mycelium has grown a bit more. I I got distracted thinking mm about uh, analogies that have annoyed my wife. Can you back up one step? (laughs) Uh, So it starts with the morel mushroom spores. I got that. In a Petri dish. Yeah. The mycelium develops. Those spores turn into mycelium. He then takes and transfers the mycelium from the Petri dish to a plastic bag. So you now have the mycelium in a plastic bag. Once it develops a bit more in this plastic bag, he then takes it out to his field where he's going to grow these morales. Uh And there are three things that he's done and three things that have success. You can dump the contents of the bag onto the ground. You could dig a hole and dump the contents of the bag into that hole. Or you could dig a hole and put the entire bag in the ground. He said all three have worked for him.
0: Hmm. Well, how do they get he, out of
1: the bag? Well, I assume the bag is open. Or ventilated yeah. or something. Yeah, let the cat out of the bag. He does this process in the fall. And there's got to be some stuff that he's not telling you. Certainly. And why would he? I'm, I like I'm, that it's like that I'm a, soaking it in beer. Or yes. that he's got like a little gopher or something. That, yep. Yeah. I'm a stranger calling him to ask him for his uh, greatest alchemical <laughs> spot in the world. Like, that's that's what. So this how is. exactly are you? <laughs> yep, yep. So that's the process. He no, I don't really like
2: Morel myself. I'm just wondering.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's certainly and what, some. What suspicion. is he doing
0: about? What is he doing about the symbiosis that needs to occur between this mysterious mushroom and the trees that it likes to
1: grow near? No tree necessary for his process. That's what he's saying. Yes, that's also. So the tree maybe. Gets... The tree- It's like the Petri dish. Maybe helps. It's the Petri dish. Yeah. So he does this in the fall, and he said it's not so much about the process leading up to it for him. It's that he has cracked the code for the perfect timing to do this and having the perfect amount of shade, uh, the proper amount of blocking the wind, um, the, the proper temperature to maintain, with how much sun is on it during the day, all those things. He's saying that is where others are failing- He's figured it out, man. We had some big old fatties here tonight, didn't we, Yanni?
2: Those were tasty, wild ones. You like to put a lot of butter in that pan, though. Oh yeah, man. (laughs) A little more butter than I like to use. Yeah, but I like butter. I like so much
0: butter in there. (laughs) When you cook a morel, it's like a butter sponge. Yeah. I like to put enough butter in there that the morel can't get it all. That the morel's thirst for butter is quenched, and there's still butter left saturation Buttery. has been
3: reached. We could have used more butter on those puff balls we ate last now, weekend. All
1: right. Now, now, Josh had said in a, a newspaper interview that he'd like to harvest a 1,000 pounds next spring. Wow. He thinks that's doable. And I asked him how confident he is. And what kind of acreage are we talking about? Well, uh, currently he's doing a half acre plot. Um, when I asked him about like how practical, like, like how likely do you think that's going to happen, this 1,000 pound goal that you have, he said it's all dependent on the amount of time that he has and the amount of funding that he has because he said it's very expensive to do this on like a half acre plot and grow 100 pounds uh, now you got to take that times 10 and he said he's not sure like that those are the limiting factors at this point his time and his money to pull this off is he a mycologist um i i don't he's a mushroom farmer and oh okay so so he's, so he's got a just a general background in
0: mushroom farming right Right. Um, yeah. I guess I caught that earlier. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I don't know. Um. You know, we'll see what happens next spring with this. If he has a thousand pounds, I'm a believer. But at this point, I'm still skeptical that he has solved it because it, it would be like if, uh, if Brody went out to some pond and dumped in like a bag of small bass fingerling. I'm following. And then came back in a year. And caught some adult bass. He said, "I grew bass." That's right. It's, it's not necessarily <laughs> that simple. And like I have created life. <laughs> yes. Yep. And uh, we just did an article on the MeatEater.com, the ten biggest morale mushrooms ever found, and a majority of that list comes from this stretch from like Iowa to Illinois How big to we Indiana. Talking? Uh, enormous, like the size of Yanni's quart jar here uh, and bigger. Really big. Yeah. For scale, they always have a you little You know on the back hole. of Mushrooms
0: Demystified? Or is the front of Mushrooms Demystified? Is it the back or front of Mushrooms Demystified? You want to talk about morel.
1: Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they, they probably weigh a pound or more. Oh, yeah. Some of, the, some of
1: these were weighing a pound, 13, 14 inches tall, uh, with a diameter of equal that. So, Did you guys see that big fatty I found with uh, Maggie last spring?
0: One giant morel. I mean, like a giant look like a piece of firewood
1: laying there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So my, my point with that is that, like, Iowa is an amazing place to go find morales and find big morales. Same thing with the bass analogy. If you dumped bass oh, I'm, I'm in a pond, you know, like in Southern California, and then caught a bass, you wouldn't be like, well, I grew bass. So we'll see. It's suspenseful, man. Love it. I'm going to say the jury's still out. It's suspenseful. I'm dying to know.
4: Um, I'm dying for that guy to go, Spencer. I can grow a
0: morel out of that uh beard you got growing there. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, you'll believe me then. <laughs> I want to do an early plug. I'm so uh I'm so proud of the the book we're working on that I want to start plugging it now, even though it's months and months away. We haven't even turned it in yet.
3: Nope. Still finishing it up. I think I
2: predict. I hate to say this kind of stuff.
0: I, I think that I, I I think that it will do well.
2: Oh, I think a lot of people will
3: be interested in what we got. Going
2: we've on. already gotten several emails that are, you could basically use as blurbs and advertisements for it. Have they seen it? They haven't seen it, but they have people that have like helped you guys on parts of the book oh. and been able to read through those parts, and they are professionals in that arena of, of you know. We can talk about what the book's about, right? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you the damn name of the book. Of the emergency, you know, or just of... uh, It's Meat Eater's Guide. Let's just tell them the title. Tell me.
0: Meat Eater's Guide to Wilderness Skills and Survival. It's taken. Don't use it. It is long. When we did the guidebooks all those years ago... Man, we were working on those guidebooks a long time ago. We did the guidebooks all years ago. We got done, and it was 700 pages long. And I went down to my publisher, and we had a meeting, and she's like, you know... um, Short of like the Bible, <laughs> uh, we don't. There aren't seven hundred page long books, and and uh, she was like, you "Either got to get rid of half of it, or it's two. And I was like, "Hey, we'll just make two three hundred fifty page books," and Perfect. that's what the guidebooks became.
3: Yeah, I don't know what I, I don't even couldn't even estimate what our page count would be. On I asked thing.
0: Savannah to take a stab at it. She thinks it's she thinks that we're probably going to be coming in at around one hundred fifty thousand words. So twice as long, for instance, as American Buffalo. Okay. Because that came in at about 75,000 words. A big
3: tomb. Is that how you say it? No, tomb. Tome. Tome. Tomb's where you put dead folks. Well, it, I feel like I'm ready for a tomb after
4: It's fitting for yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh,
3: versatility of this book.
0: No. Right now we're in the, the navigation yep. chapter. I just wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning section I don't mind saying this myself. I just wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning section on uh, walking on the ice. Read nice, frozen lakes, rivers, ponds. Read nice. Be nice if they could pull with ice.
3: sections of books for Pulitzer Prizes. Because yeah. I, I feel like I'd go up against you with the river thing. The river? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs>
0: being on rivers. Being on the ice, man. Reading it. I The noises it makes, what those noises mean. Watching like, out for beaver runs. Always a freak you out. Yeah, watching out for beaver runs, but you can fall. I've fallen the most times I've fallen through the ice has been related to falling into beaver runs. People don't see that. You go get a hundred books about this subject and you won't find any of them talking about beaver runs.
2: Spencer, you know what I really love about Brody and Steve is how humble they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Spencer's taking a few licks in his book. Yeah, he like the only person that yeah, not a you, thing. Cal did contribute. I you know
3: you hear contribute. him contribute. Up. up. The stove stuff. Mm-hmm. Talking about stoves. Camp, oh. camp stoves. Yeah, you got like a quote or two in there. (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) Spencer's been Spencer's contributions to the book have been um, Spencer's been doing like his infamous bullshit alerts. But Spencer like takes down um, like it's very instructive, informative. It just is like it just mounds mountains and mountains and mountains of information. So chapters are like uh, um things that bite, sting, maul, and kill. Man,
3: you're giving everything away. All right, I'll get but Anyways, Spencer, uh, you think I'm my laying too much out? I, I think you got to have some some thirst for what's coming, just, like This is generating watch a trailer that for a movie. They don't give everything away. Well, how, how many words did
0: you say Savannah said it is? I said last night, well, um uh she said something like, 150K metric fuckton.
1: <laughs> so I, I Googled how many words per page in a book, and this says per 100 pages, you're looking at about 25,000 words. Yeah. So then you're looking at like a 600 that's not, page. That's, that's off. Well, I'm just like giving you a rough well, rough estimate of what Google says. You, know, you, wrote, you, you typed in
0: the truth about book length?
1: Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius to find the right policy to protect your family. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using... Policy Genius head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
5: This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union and Navy Federal. It's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years and not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's, yep. You can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech, like computers and gaming systems. Plus Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store. Or visit aarons.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. you got to see your local store for details.
4: I did the same a little bit of research for a deal for the week in review I, when I hit 50 episodes. And there's, uh, you know, how they put books together these days has changed quite a bit, and what type of font and what's acceptable. And there's, it, there's a lot of changes. In there, um, I think good lead-ins for the chapters though would be: You sure you want to get into this? Mm-hmm. Because people are going to be overwhelmed with the amount of knowledge per
0: chapter. But it's what. But in the book, we take the opposite of the Bear Grylls approach. Bear Grylls' thing is like: Watch out! Don't want to be caught outside. If you get caught outside, uh, hustle home, right? And make a show about <laughs> how quick you can hustle home from being outside. This is more like um about embracing it, right? It's not like that it's, oh, it's so fearful. It's like, hey, here's some things. But Spencer, his contribution has been, um, are you really supposed to snuck, suck out snake venom? Um, is Bear Grylls always drinking piss? Is that helpful? Uh, are you supposed to uh,
1: pull the bullet out of your buddy after he gets a bullet in him?
3: What People else? are going to look all this stuff up now. <laughs>
1: Well, good thing there's 599 <laughs> like, more pages to read and illustrations, Brody. So. I didn't know you're gonna be so cagey, man. You think
0: <laughs> I like to? I like to keep a wrap on things. Well, you know what? When we do a, um, when it comes out, I'm just we're gonna do like a walkthrough. This is I'm actually turning like I'm actually turning. It's getting close enough now where I'm actually developing a little sense of enthusiasm and pride. Yeah.
4: About the
3: project can see the light at the end of the tunnel.
4: Yeah, you've been on a real emotional roller coaster in regards to this oh, project. Yeah, I hate doing, I hate doing,
1: I hate doing stuff. <laughs> Plus, pictures in this book, right? Illustrations, Bro. illustrations, great, <laughs> very good illustrations. Is uh,
2: Pete doing the illustrations? Yes. Oh, good. Same
0: illustrator we worked with in the past.
2: Yeah, I won a million dollars from Savannah when uh, she asked me if I would possibly have his contact information and possibly like the uh, contract and. Amount of, with stating the amount of money that we paid him per illustration from the last projects, and uh, boy, just had it all tucked away in a file, you know, under guidebooks. Did you? So, yeah, old I'll, file. I'll see if she'll pay up, but
0: that's great. That was Yanni, his contribution <clears throat> finding the helping us find the illustrator's email address.
4: <laughs> I do, I do think that is a much healthier approach, though. It's kind of like listen, if at some point in your outdoor career you don't find yourself in this position you've probably not been doing things right. Mm -hmm. So embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, I
3: like that. I'll tell you about more chapters,
0: but I don't want Brody to get uh, nervous. (laughs) Well,
3: uh, we do mention 410s as a survival gun. You want to take a stab at what gauge you think of four tens? Oh, yeah, just
0: so people understand. um,
2: Brody, that was quality. Just the trans. And bringing it back in. The The pivot. Pivot. Yeah, you get a little, if they gave out Pulitzer Prizes. For pivots? Yeah, I'm always. this year's prize for pivots (laughs) 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 it goes <laughs> <laughs> Brody Anderson go ahead Steve take a crack at what gauge 410
0: well uh, first I want to give a couple points here um, one time uh, well for uh, so a gauge when someone says a 12 gauge shotgun what that means is it would take 12 lead spheres of that diameter to make a pound so a 20 gauge shotgun is it would take 20 lead spheres of that size to make a pound and then you got, you know, in the old days you had 8 gauges, which aren't around anymore. Are, are there any around? I don't even know if I ever even laid eyes on an 8 gauge. The 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 the, the biggest bore shotgun that's even like kind of common is a 10 gauge. 12 gauge, very common. And you have 16s, 20s. And, and the, some
3: guys use 28s. For yeah, there's, yeah, Ronnie
0: Baimes got a 28, I believe. And then you get down to um, then there's one that breaks the system. And the 410 is a 0.410. So the, the 410 uses the same system as rifle calibers. So, like a, 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 you know, if you have a 3030, let's say, or let's say a 300 Win Mag, a 300 Win Mag is 0.308 of an inch. All your 30 calibers are 0.308. They just shortened it up by saying 30, but it's 0.308. A 410 is a has a you know diameter of 0.410 of an inch. Years ago, I got a death threat from an animal rights person and they threatened to come get me with a 50 gauge shotgun and I realized that that was about I think it was about the size of a BB gun so I didn't I slept well at night knowing that even though I might be shot it would be by a very 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 small shotgun. So a 410 is take a stab what do you think Oh, a 410 is a 35 gauge.
2: 67. Oh, it's a 67 oh, gauge? Oh, wow.
0: Really? hmm How'd you figure that out?
2: I'm looking it up. You wrote on, the truth uh, about 410s? buddy. No. You're, n- <laughs> you're not going to be sleeping tonight in case that person's still lurking out there with that 50 gauge. The,
0: the, oh, yeah. It'd be worse than that? Yeah, it'd be like whatever. <laughs> it'd be worse than my <laughs> kid like, shooting me with his 410? Yeah. Well, the FBI checked this dude out anyway.
3: Anyway. A dude, on, a
0: FBI agent did it on spec. He just saw, I put a post about it on social media. And he, um, uh, and, and he, um, later got a hold of me and said, "I wouldn't worry too much about that guy. He's kind of a ranter and a raver <laughs> on a wide variety of subjects, ranging. He told me ranging from like the Palestinian conflict
3: on down. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently the thirty, uh, the gauge system. I think you're wrong. Ends at thirty six. So at some point they must have been making the thirty six gauge shotguns. It's, it's yeah, little teeny one." Hmm. And what's a 410 again? 67. According, according there's to. There's no way on earth. According so to you could have a pile
0: <laughs> of 67 lead balls that size to according
3: make a pile. According to AmericanRifleman.org, which. You I'll know, buy that. That's what they say?
0: That's what they say. It's not like Bob'sGunBlog.com? <laughs> no. <laughs> All
3: right. Who am I? We'll have to get 67 410 slugs sometime and. Weigh them out. Yeah. Well, lead spheres. Well, pumpkin balls. Do they still make those? I don't know. Do you know the guy that shot
0: the guy that shot Billy the uh Billy the kid? Um No, not the guy who shot Pat Garrett in California? No, I'm r- wrong guy, not Billy the uh uh the guy who shot the guy who shot Jesse James. I believe that so Robert Ford shot Jesse James. But then later, a guy shot Robert Ford. I believe the guy that shot Robert Ford, he had a like a he had a coach gun. I think it was like a ten, I can't remember if it was a I think it was a ten gauge coach gun. He apparently uh, nearly cut him in half because he took a bunch of pipe and a chisel and made a bunch of fragments, steel fragments, no a lead pipe, a bunch of lead fragments, and took a funnel and filled the barrels up with pipe fragments. And then give them both barrels.
3: Oh, that'll do it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that this is true. My understanding is that this is true. I also just recently read I'm reading this really interesting book called the the um it was, it's from the 60s, The Frontiersmen of the Yellowstone. It's like a history of the Yellowstone Basin. It talks about two mountain men, two beaver trappers that got in a dispute and they got real mad at each other and kind of tore their friendship apart. And later their friends had sort of encouraged them to patch it up. And they had a kind of tradition where when two people made amends, they would shoot a glass of whiskey off of each other's heads to sort of prove that that the the bad tidings were over. One of them puts the glass of whiskey on his head, and he tells everyone, I don't trust him. I think he's going to shoot me. And shoots him, and then the guy, lo and behold, shoots him between the eyes and kills him stone dead. Says, whoops, I made a mistake. Didn't mean to. Nothing happens to him. Later, he gets a drink and and opens up to the idea that maybe it wasn't a mistake, at which point the dead man's friend pulls out a pistol and blows a hole through the guy's heart and kills him.
1: What was the original disagreement?
0: I don't think it gets into what the disagreement was. Another thing I didn't know that until I read this book, you know, Hugh Glass of the Revenant's Base. you know, how Hugh Glass died. He, you know, I, I think this was, uh, this is somewhere along the Yellowstone. Like, so like between like here and Miles city, Hugh Glass, after all this shit, he went through, like gets mauled by the bear. Jim Bridger leaves him behind. He finds Bridger and a guy named Fitzpatrick and confronts them. Cause they left him for dead. Um, you know, they're like, like Hugh Glass gets mauled by a grizzly bear and the rest of their crew of trappers splits and they leave Jim Bridger, who's like 19 and this Fitzpatrick dude, they leave them and say, don't leave until he dies. And when he dies, you can bury him, but they get sick of waiting and they just leave, take off his shit and leave. And, he, and then he survives and crawls back years later. He gets, he's with a couple other trappers and they get into a skirmish. Maybe I think it was with the Blackfeet. They get into a skirmish with the Blackfeet, and they get holed up in a spot, and they can't shoot their way out of the spot. And eventually, the Blackfeet light a grass fire, and they know they're just going to get burned alive. And they dropped a spark into a powder keg and blew themselves up. That's how he died. And you and me think we got it bad, Brody.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I oh, were doing. Wow. <laughs> who documented this to to like report back on? That's how they went.
0: That's why I'm afraid that it's not true, because I'm telling you things that were written in the book in the '60s. It's a, it's a footnote. It's like a I'm telling you this is stuff that I'm reading in a book from the '60s. When I finish the book, I'll take the parts that I'm wondering, like why in the hell have I not read that other places, and go find out if since the '60s we've found that these are just tall tales. And much of the Hugh Glass story, like, is that,
1: Um, I think. That he was a pirate, got cast ashore in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, just, like, more reputable uh, historians will say that there's a lot of sensational details from Hugh Glass's story.
0: That's what I'm afraid of. And that's why I'm trying to, like, asterisk this information for people so they understand that I'm in the middle of a book. I'm reading things that I hadn't encountered elsewhere. And I'm suspicious that these are tall tales that later historians— have said like that's not true, Brody. Do you mind? Are, they sure are good. It's normally Giannis's job. What? Type in how did Hugh Glass die, and also type in Fort Union shooting whiskey glasses off each other's heads. You take the, tru- the you truth take about
2: Hugh, Hugh Glass, Brody. Right.
0: The truth about. Um, <laughs> and
2: see what there happens. we go. It did, I, I love didn't the even have to finish thing.
0: typing it. Um, uh, moving on. Brody had a note that he wanted to discuss something um, called the futility of yelling at kids to be quiet all day in camp. Oh my god! <laughs> You're doing your research right now, Brody. Well, I'll, I'll pick up on yeah, start Say out. that thought because I'm going to pick up on the thing I want to talk about is uh, I took my kid out. My kid turned 10, and became a he, uh, became of the age that he could be legally my older boy became the age that he could be legally apprenticed. So I had to go and fill out a form online to become an apprentice. No, a mentor. I had to fill out a form online to become a mentor hunter. There's what, no, there's what no fee. That,
4: what does that mean in the eyes of the state?
0: So in this state, when you're 12, you can get a hunt license and you, you can hunt. You got to go to hunter safety, you can hunt. When you're 10, you can... Hunt with a mentor. The mentor has to be your legal guardian or a blood relative, right? Or doesn't need or someone of, of or a licensed hunter of legal standing, whom the guardian has given authority to to take hunting. So if you just ran, you ran, you know, encountered some little kid and you said, "Hey, you want to go hunting?" You couldn't take him hunting. You'd have to come get me to sign a form saying that I am bestowing upon you authority to take my 10 year old hunting. Any person can hunt two years as an apprentice hunter. And then they got to do hunter safety. But the way they got it set up was like at 10 years of age, you can become an apprentice hunter. And then, so he can hunt this year. And it's like you are within arm, they, they spell it out, but it's like basically you're within arm's reach of your mentor.
3: Did Maggie and Tracy start out that way? No,
0: they had, they went, they yeah. did hunter safety. They could have though. Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't let someone really get away with that. Like, I'm not going to let, you know, I might even have him take hunter safety next summer, early. But either way, I became a men- I became a mentor and he became an apprentice. And it's like five bucks. So you could for five bucks, he becomes an apprentice hunter. And then unlike fishing, like you know, in a lot of states, you don't need a fishing license till you're what 15, 16 years old. Yeah. They got to buy the full on license. And they can't hunt stuff that has any kind of limited draw. They can't hunt bears. Basically, you can hunt like deer in small game as an, as an apprenticed hunter. So he turned 10 just in time for the last weekend of turkey season. We went out, had a good time. He got up at four in the morning, three mornings in a row, which was cool. Um, we knocked around and had a very close encounter with a turkey that was, I mean, you're going to think I'm exaggerating, The turkey was for me to fill the engineer. But the catch is that this entire table was an impenetrable juniper bush. That if you looked really carefully, you could see movement through the bush, but you couldn't make hide or hair of it. And I had my kid sitting right between my legs because I wanted to be able to look down at what he's looking at. And him trying to see, he's like leaning around and things got a little squirrely. And our line of sight wasn't the same. Or I could see a turkey's fan as he moved away from the juniper bush, I can see this a little farther away now, but I can see a turkey's fan playing his day. And I'm like, okay, hey, if you see him, if you see you know. Eventually, the turkey wanders off. He doesn't get a shot. And he just looks like he's very unhappy. My kid is very unhappy, very down on himself. And he said, uh, he, he, I'm quoting him. He said, I feel like such a loser and i got to ask him like well, what happened why do you feel like a loser and he said i thought i didn't recognize i now know that i saw the head but i he wasn't expecting this thing that's changing colors from blue to red and he said he saw it and thought it was a flower
3: <laughs> hey he did the right thing he wasn't sure right he yeah, saw right. It.
0: he saw it through the tail fan and he said it wasn't till after the turkey left and i looked at our decoy
2: and then I realized
0: that was the head.
3: Man, I, I, I feel his pain.
2: Oh. Well, that's good that he was able to look at the decoy and then recognize that that you that know. clicked together. Yeah, that's you know. sticking. Right? As he
3: said, "He said I thought he said I
0: thought it was a flower with a thick stem." Oh wow! And then it occurred to him that he was looking through the fan, very close.
3: Oh. With his little 4'10". But in any case, it was lucky we heard any turkeys with the amount of noise in camp.
0: Yeah, I got, Brody got to camp. I got to the camp. I started yelling at all the kids to be quiet. Brody's like, <laughs> I already gave up on that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. But we got into him anyway. What? How far were you? It was like eight eight 850 yards. You at guys... one
0: point, I could hear him screaming and yelling. And I got out on X and I had the camp marked and I knew where I was. And I did the line distance function. It was 833 <laughs> yards away. <laughs> Loud. And my kid kept saying, my boy, my little boy, he's like, I can hear Rosie and Matt. I'm like, you can't hear Rosie and Matt. You know? Then by the way, I'm like, by God, you can hear Rosie <laughs> and Matt. <laughs> and so I pulled the yeah, 833 yards away. Maybe that puts those turkeys at ease. Well, two years in a row, including this year, they shot gobbled turkeys by playing. But I don't think it's I don't think it's like <laughs> beneficial. <laughs> I think you create an ever increasingly wide area yep. of animalless <laughs> yep.
2: animalless area around you. Um. We, we're definitely thinking about relocating. We've been kind of pushing camp in closer and closer to the turkeys over the last five years, and I think next year we're going to be marching ret- backward, yeah. <laughs> retreating. Because my girls have gotten uh, louder. I think that early on they were they would yell and whatever, but they were smaller. They didn't have the lungs. They didn't have lungs, and now it's the same thing. I mean, I remember being like basically in the next valley, and being like, there's no way. But then, sure enough, like on oh, one still night, I'm sitting there and I got the dog with me, and he keeps running like 50 yards and then sitting there and looking in that direction. And finally, I'm like, oh, yeah, he can hear everybody back there at camp. <laughs> I mean, we were like a 30 minute walk, you know? Oh, wow.
0: When we're out <laughs> filming, we try to, and we got lack we get, we lapse, then we come back to it. But we have this thing that, this ideal that we have, and we try to a little bit stick with it is what we call the Makushi Code of Silence because the Mikushi, um, an indigenous group in uh, South America, they don't yell. They don't yell. If someone's down at the boat, down at the river, and you're like at camp, and you're like, oh man, he should grab, hope he grabs the big pot, right? I would be like, hey, grab the big pot! What? The big pot! Right? And that's just how you go about your business. They would... Um, walk down until their faces were 12 inches apart and you would say, can you grab the big pot? They never make noise. They don't yell. They don't make noise. Maybe if a tree was falling on you, they'd yell, but they don't make noise. For what reason? Because they're hunters.
3: They don't make noise. It's just quiet. It's Just ingrained into the way they, they...
0: speak. They, they speak to people only that are right, There. They don't communicate to people that are far away. When I want my kids to come down to eat,
3: (laughs) I don't move. Five or six times. (laughs) Scream five or six times if you need to. I don't move anywhere. I'm not going to walk over there. I'm just going (laughs) to
0: scream nine times (laughs) with increasing intensity. So, yeah, they were loud. Another observation was just Brody was
3: one. Tell me about how you, me, Minute Minutemen. Oh, God. Yeah. Man, frustrating, isn't it? Like, it never seems like... And maybe this is like people that just aren't dialed into a certain system or they don't feel the urgency that we feel. But, man, people take a long time to get ready. Adults, but, don't not know. your kids. Oh. Yeah, even adults. And the, Yeah. Uh, kids, I, like... I'll I'll stick Hayden in the sleeping bag in his sleeping clothes, shake him, and say "Let's go." And he's pretty good about getting up early. Oh, that was your trick. Yeah, you get him, just let him sleep in their clothes. Oh, so you get him all ready. I was wondering how he's ready so fast. Oh yeah, and just yank him. He's all like, you just drag go, him yeah, out of there. Yeah. He's already dressed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, adults just like don't. But you're talking about getting ready for, to go hunting. Yeah, or really whatever. But sure, yeah, it's like getting light you should have been sitting under the tree a half an hour ago and Mm -hmm. you haven't even left camp yet or whatever. I, yeah, there was one afternoon when, when, um, me and my
0: wife were going to go out and listen for gobbles and, uh, Brody's wife offered to let us leave our youngins there. And so I was like, very like, like I'm a Minuteman. I was like very ready to go. I'm like ready for the American revolution. One by air, one by (laughs) land. Two if by sea. Who's that guy, Paul Revere? You know what historians later tried to say that Paul Revere wasn't real? I can't remember who the politician was, but he said, I love Paul Revere, whether he wrote or not. Uh anyhow, I would now and then look at my wife because I was like, why like what 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 is ha- like why? Why haven't we left? Why is it now so much longer later and we haven't left? And I would like try to look at her in like distinct moments. And in every distinct moment it did in fact seem like something was happening. Like she wasn't sitting there. Right. I'd be like like what is she doing? And I would try to like look at her and be like, "Oh, she is looking for one of the kid's shoes." Or, you know, then I would like then I'd 20 minutes to go by. And I'd look at her and be like, "Oh, she is but so all the parts make sense, but the sum of them doesn't make sense." Yeah.
3: That, how am I ready for an hour? Yep. And you get like a group of people who don't feel that urgency and it just makes it even worse. Oh, because they look around and she knows that I'm irritated because I'm just generally (laughs) irritated about
0: wanting to go. And she's like, well, I don't care if he's irritated. And since the other people that are doing something, they don't, they're also wandering around. So it must be okay to keep wandering around. Yep. And mm. then you wait an hour and then she'll finally be ready and she'd be like, ah, we should give the kids
2: lunch. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the other perspective could be that like, damn, Stephen Brody, it'd be nice if they just helped me find this other shoe and then we could get the out of here. Yeah, or if and they get had the, ki- the kids' lunch knocked out, you know, and then we could all get out of here. Instead, those two are just standing over there with their hands in their pockets while going we're, going, <laughs> hurry up. Going, Down, <laughs> down, I know. But, <laughs> No, we for the first time, I think it's an age thing is I, I crossed some threshold now where I'm like, I don't even care about food, coffee, anything. I will just sleep. And I started doing the pants thing. You're harder than woodpecker lips. I'll just sleep in the pants. Put my boots on. I usually always take my socks off just because I don't sleep good if I have my socks on in my sleeping bag. But that way I'm just like, I wake up, I'm still blurry eyed. I'm just like, Jennifer, you kind of ready? She's like, Oh yeah. And we just no coffee, no food, <laughs> just nothing. Just start walking. Put the turkey vest on <laughs> and just start walking down the road. And you'll wake up, but you know, yeah. your body starts moving, and you wake up and you're fine. And you, just, you start to realize that you don't really need to hang out at camp and it's not like you're gonna enjoy that cup of coffee. It's gonna burn your <laughs> burn your lips and your tongue as you're trying to pound boiling bean water. Yeah, you could
0: just put like a um Yeah.
2: Yeah, a put bar, like a,
0: a bar in my pocket. Put some bars or, or the 10. night before. Put some bars in your turkey vest. Yeah. Put an energy drink
3: in your turkey vest. Go to sleep in your turkey clothes and just leave. Mm-hmm. Yep. And later in the season, man, holy shit it gets light early. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right now? Oh, brutal.
2: Yeah. One yeah. guy last week in camp killed a bird at like Five oh five or five oh seven, something well, like that. Yeah, I killed mine like at five
3: fifteen last weekend. Yeah,
2: Jeez. I got a text.
0: From, I got a text from Brody. I was laying in bed, <laughs> petting, <laughs> petting my dog, and we get up. I get up as soon as I can see the glow in the window. Man, I get up, and uh, I was laying there. I just it was just early enough where I let the dog get on the bed, and I got a text from Brody. I was like, "What the hell?
3: Yeah, yeah early. Yeah, I almost thought you shot it out of the tree. No, it was fifteen minutes after he flew down."
4: Turkey hunting, you can't really do it, but a system that I like during big game season is to roll out, get hiking, get out to where I'm in a glass, and then Mm. boil up a cup of coffee. Yeah. And have my my scene all set up.
0: My mise en place.
4: My mise en place. And (laughs) I got my butt pad out. I've probably already pooped at this point. I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I'm just, just peeling that place apart. And it and the sun's coming up. You can take pictures of sunrise that you'll never ever see again. But you got to do it because it's so pretty. It's a great situation,
3: stress free, man.
0: Oh. We've done a few little mountain tricks like that. Like another mountain trick that we kind of we try we do a bit more filming too is to when it when the times like this we just we did this yeah uh, when it's like you got to get up so damn early. You got to get up at three thirty four in the morning. You be up at first light, and then it doesn't get dark you know, you're, you're, you're still hunting at nine 30. Um, is to bring your gear to bring a stove and some freeze dry and just eat at five. Like just throw this stuff in the backpack. So eat at five glass, or whatever, through the hunt, through the prime time evening, and then come home and you already ate. Yes. Then you just slide in your bed instead of like getting in at nine thirty, weighing out whether or not you want to eat or not in order to then get up at four in the morning. It's a lot nicer just to get it taken care of. Agreed. And uh, another thing is uh, sometimes we've gotten up in the morning and just brought our sleeping bags and get up to a glass and spot and then get back in your sleeping bag and make some coffee up in your glass and spot. That's a big game. Yanni, uh, can you share with everybody what happened with your uh, your little truck thing? This is an interesting story.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, with my brother-in-law's truck. I think it's uh... – well, I hate bad talk, the old Toyota Tundra, but it's a Toyota Tundra. And, um, of course, when we talked to the mechanic, he's like, I swear to you, this is the first alternator I've ever changed on one of these Tundras. Anyways, yeah, they had gone, him and his son had gone up to uh, charge some devices and uh, get some service. And they kind of left camp and drove up the hill, maybe not
0: far. I don't know. It's like quarter mile. Like charging uh, external batteries and
2: whatnot. Yeah, external batteries, telephones, Kindles, whatever else. And uh they're sitting there and you know prior to that he, we had seen a minor bit of smoke uh, um, coming out of the engine. Like on the trip in and he had said he'd seen it the day before. But to me I saw it, it was so little and I smelled it. There wasn't really like a bad smell. And I'm like, ah, you got some mud kicked up in there. It got hot and yeah, it yeah. smoked, you know?
1: And this was eastern Montana.
2: Yeah, we're out in eastern Montana. Anyways, they're sitting up there charging away, and he just happens to be looking down at the dash as all of the gauges flip from you know one end to the other end, back and forth twice. <laughs> that's and never, then, that's and, never and, a good yeah, sign. <laughs> and, then, and then I think the engine's running, and basically the, the truck shutters, and everything just... Brrr, windows are wide open, and there's nothing. Not He can't do anything. I think he could turn the key, but there was... No lights, just absolutely and couldn't, couldn't change gears in it. Couldn't, yeah, key, yeah. I guess you have to have power to shift. Mm. But um, learned a lot. I learned that in at least in that um, those years of Toyota Tundras, there's a little square box, probably not even an inch by inch, um, right next to the gear shifter, and you can. It's basically like a little lid, and you pop that out. Oh, and you that's can, what's in there, and you can take a pin and push it down, and then that allows you to change gears. That's without what's in power. those boxes. Yeah. It's not a bot. I mean, like I said, it's yeah, just it's a little bit. Like yeah,
0: but you can put like a fingernail or a screw. Yeah. No,
2: I've seen those. Yeah. I never pried one open. Yeah. No. That's what's in there. Yeah. So at least when when Damn, we figured that enough. out, we knew we could at least, I could pull him down the mountain because we were probably, I don't know, five, seven miles. I had
0: no idea that's what's in that little on thing. On an
2: unimproved dirt road. So at least I could pull him out and then a mechanic could, or a tow truck can meet us. Um, So, but what we realized, so, I'm trying to think. I don't know. We were getting a lot of advice from a lot of people and a, a differing advice on on what to do. But finally, one guy says, "You know what you need to do is bypass the alternator. If you, it sounds like you blew the alternator. If you unhook the alternator, charge up your battery. Your battery should have enough juice in it to let you run the vehicle for 10 to 20 minutes until it dies again. And then you just pop the trunk, you know, and, and recharge your battery and keep driving until you get to where you need to get going." And uh, sure enough, that worked. So what did you do to bridge the gap once you pulled the alternator out? We just unhooked the alternator. And that was I, it. That was it. You didn't need to like then connect? No. Okay. Mm-mm. No, we just t- really, you know, taped the ends of those uh, wires so that you wouldn't ground out on anything. You know, okay, if, that's if, it. If it touched, okay. but that was it. Um, and uh, yeah, so we were able to drive out and then uh, he had a, we had a mechanic meet us. The mechanic drove two hours to get there and then installed the new alternator and a belt Whoa. and a couple other things. And, and
0: made himself a crisp.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he had a good payday. <laughs> wow. He had a good... But I think it was cheaper than having it towed. To- you uh, know? We, are we allowed to say it? Sure, yeah. It was $2,500. Goo! Yeah. Wow. But I think getting towed... But I, they had you by, number the, sh- one, they had you by you, the
0: short hairs. Cause what do you, you know I mean? It's like you don't yeah. have a whole lot of options, man. I
2: mean, look. If you're a cheapskate... You could probably limp your way home in the method I just described by by charging a <laughs> <eight your> battery, <laughs> driving thirty minutes down the highway. Pull when it when it shuts down, pull over, recharge it's the battery. Safe. It's safe too to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. That
4: system though. I mean, you, you had to have been feeling good for driving your truck out of that hole.
2: Oh yeah, A little MacGyver no, action. No, love man. that feeling. No, we had some yeah, ma- yeah we had some major wins, and yeah. at the same time, we managed to kill a couple turkeys. So yeah. We that, had an right?
0: Australian once blow a hole through the floorboards of a pickup truck with a shotgun and severed the fuel line, and we had to tow it twenty miles out of a down a riverbed.
1: And that was a bouncy wow. riverbed. It was a real bouncy. Riverbed. I wasn't there,
2: but I remember that the 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 episode. It was bouncy.
1: Was it in Australia? No, nope. no,
0: nope. it was an Australian abroad. Mm. He was in New Zealand. In New Zealand. But they're not allowed to play with guns that much in Australia. So he's real curious about a shotgun. <laughs> he's trying to figure out how it worked. <laughs> he's wishing he had ear protection and would to touch one off in a inside of a vehicle.
2: Oh, oh man. horrible. That's bad. Uh, oh, yeah, but Brody made the note that I didn't check back in with you guys. after. So we were starting to make plans on how we were going to get everybody out of there because we had two full oh, families. Oh, yeah, like with calling all. in the cavalry, but then not calling off the cavalry. Yeah, well, the, that place, and I think you guys had it similarly after I talked to your wife, but it'd be like one minute you can like just make all the phone calls you yeah, want and yeah. be working texts, and then for the next 12 hours, it's like there's nothing.
0: Not only that, but when people would call you, it acted act like you got a new phone number or something.
2: So <laughs> it give you like the knock, it,
0: can't, it wouldn't just be like busy or not answer. Yeah. It would be that it's like, it tells you like, Hey man, you know, number can't <laughs> be completed is dialed. Right. Yeah. And so it made like, I was trying to call my brother at one point. And I thought something, I was like, Oh, something, what happened? We had a big
2: debate. The, so I, I tried. I, yeah. did, I did try. I actually, you can look at my text history and see no, all the texts that I, didn't go through. I know. I, it was more about the debate that we had, whether we
3: should just go home or wait to hear from what you. What we made,
0: <laughs> me and Brody didn't want to be, um, me and Brody were trying to wash our hands of the matter. <laughs> so I eventually said to Brody's wife, I was like, so you're saying that we should take off. <laughs>
3: and then, yep, then Steve's wife backed her up.
0: <laughs> because if this blows up our, in our face, really if to get this home. blows up in our faces, I don't want it to be that I thought we should take off. I want it to be that I wanted to stay. And Carrie's like, sure, okay, I'm saying let's go.
3: <laughs> She's
0: like, I'll I'll live with it, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, so Yanni, you're now depressed. Yeah. Does it happen? it happens every year?
2: No, I feel like last year I got, I got, uh, just enough turkey hunting in and, um, it went all the way to the end of May. And afterwards I just, you know, happily put everything up, put all those breasts into my freezer and, and, uh, just went about, you know, looking towards fishing or whatever. And, uh, but, uh, and I shouldn't complain too much because I still killed five birds and I got, you know, some hunting days in, but I, I just had, you know, great big plans and old COVID-19 shot holes in my yeah, great big like plans. Yeah, like you were supposed to be able to hunt turkeys with Will Primo. That's and- right. Who, who else? I don't know. We were supposed to go to Michigan and maybe Wisconsin. I still have half a mind. It probably pissed some people off, but, uh... <laughs> You got time. My wife's out next week, so I have the kids anyways. And I'm like, man, Wisconsin season's open through Tuesday. So if I leave tomorrow. They're
0: doing an extension? No. Oh,
2: just just normal? Yeah. Yeah. So if I left tomorrow, I'd have three days. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. And you can kill what? One a day there? You can kill as many as you have tags for but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of other things that need my attention too. But
4: man, had I not just solidified some fishing plans, I'd be fueling that fire. We'd, oh we'd yeah, you drive yeah. it with
2: me. Yeah. nice because then we could just we wouldn't have to stop. Yeah, it's just a long enough drive where I'll probably have to take a nap somewhere in there. <sighs> hey,
0: have we uh, Have we? Have we covered? Have we talked about the male the the rough
2: grouse finding? No, definitely not.
0: I think that I have made a scientific discovery. Well, as well, like Giannis made a scientific discovery,
2: but he told me about it. Well, I forget who someone's tent was right next to my tent, Seth, I think. And both of us got that discovered that I did not. A, a rough grouse they do it all year round, like
0: rough grouse drum, and when a rough grouse is drumming. He takes, he gets up on a log, gets up on a perch, and beats his wings on his body. And it makes this noise.
2: One might think, this is straight from YouTube. The thumps are produced by the beating of the wings. Oh, yeah, it was like a chest. thing he's doing in his throat, but he's also beating his wings. But in actuality, the thumps are little sonic booms created as air suddenly fills a vacuum made when the wings are thrust outward from the breast.
4: I would amend That's that. That's the same thing,
2: though. To say one might think
4: the thumps are made by a little Honda generator.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> or a lawnmower. From, yes. I, <laughs> what in the? When I played again, Phil. I remember when my brother Matt turned 12 and he had to go sit in his own tree stand. He couldn't sit up in, in dad's tree stand anymore with him. I was then, I went and sat with Matt in his tree stand. So he was 12, I was nine or eight. And I remember sitting, I could take you and show you the exact damn tree we're sitting in. And I remember sitting there and he listening to a grouse, a rough grouse drumming. I was saying earlier, they'll they they they'll drum all year, eh, I don't know, all year, but... They drum all year round, but they really like to drum in the spring because it's like a territorial thing. Anyways, I remember saying to my brother, Matt, oh, that guy finally got that lawnmower running or that guy can't (laughs) get that lawnmower running or something. And him saying, that's a rough grouse. Because it's like a guy trying to get an old beater lawnmower going. Uh There's a thing in in rough grouse biology where there's a a drumming log and people will even, when when assessing habitat or when um, trying to get population estimates, there's even a thing of like using drumming logs as a way to assess habitat, being that there could be suitable rough grouse habitat that is in fact not suitable due to a lack of drumming logs. I never knew that they drummed at night. But we the other night had a rough, draw, rough grouse drum all night by us. Not only that, not only that, but that son of a bitch is out walking around at night, going from spot to spot to spot drumming. You want to talk about
2: a vulnerable bird, man? Hold on, there—they move from one spot to another. Yes, that bird moved around at night. Yeah, we had the same thing
3: happen a couple of weeks ago when we were camping. He would go from, he went from one spot to another. Oh. It woke he... me up at two 30. I was like, Oh shit, I'm late. I got to, <laughs> you know, I thought it was morning. And he just kept going.
2: No, I understand that, but I didn't know that, no, that uh... he
1: moved. Oh yeah. So we had... went
2: from like our tents over to your tents. Yeah.
1: Oh, is he hoping that it pays off that night? Like a female is going to come find him or is he just like planning for tomorrow morning? Uh, a female's. I, gonna well, come he's. Find it's
0: him. like territorial too. He's like saying, like, this is my spot.
2: I I just read on all about birds, which comes out truth of Truth About the, Rough Grouse Co- Cornell Ornithology, and uh, that's
0: if you want to find out bird, I'll, I'll just quick plug. You want to find out the dope on birds? Go to Cornell.
2: Absolutely, yep. yeah. Um, although they didn't have that, that information is the truth that, about I just, birds. that I read to you about the the vacuum sonic boom, but it's saying that. It will also do this drumming on moonlit nights, which it was yes. when we were out there. Oh, so it might not be an every night thing. It oh, might okay. be just when there's visibility, well, that when might someone can see a, him. It was a bright
0: night. It was a bright it night. It was so bright you could see the moon. Like It was looked like someone was holding a flashlight outside your tent. Huh. 46 years on this planet, and I hadn't had a rough grouse drumming all night.
2: Yeah. What else? What else is interesting is that that little beat, so it wasn't that a beating discovery. sequence only lasts eight seconds. And uh, how many times do you think he moves his wings in those eight seconds? I'll
0: tell you exactly. Eleven.
2: Fifty. No, Whoa.
0: not the one I heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because that little
2: end explosion. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, it died again. Man. <laughs> yeah, but that bugger was, you would think that a noise, like someone else was saying, I think it was Garrett that was saying, he's like, yeah, at first it was like real calming and nice, like listening to the stream trickle by, you know, the rough grouse drumming. And then an hour later, he's ready to strangle that <laughs> that bird. He's ready to
0: choke chicken.
2: Yeah, didn't you guys say you could like
3: hear it dragging its wings on the ground or something? It was oh, so right. Close. When we
2: got into our tents, yeah, you no, know, you could hear him like literally walking in the leaves. Like, I mean, probably a foot or two from my head. Yeah, like, yeah. And there just happened to be from there, kind of. You were in his per- perpendicular going out a giant. You know, I don't know. At one end, it was probably 18 inches. At the far end, it was three feet diameter log that- Took days to shoot it over. (laughs) Yeah.
5: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators. Furniture for your living room or bedroom. Even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley, and you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too, return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With errands, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one or two days. Along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation Forever, I've been shopping around on fast-growing trees, and I am fixing to get me a couple of spruce trees for my yard. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. Our listeners get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using code MEATEATER at checkout. Visit fastgrowingtrees.com and use code MEATEATER at checkout for an additional 15% off. FastGrowingTrees dot com code meat eater offer is valid for a limited time. Minimum purchase may be required. Terms and conditions apply. The main thing we're supposed to talk about.
4: Oh, we yeah, we got <laughs> the uh, main thing. <laughs> yeah, and then I got a. It was so uh, important
0: I put it down at the bottom of my notes. I got a good closing thought too. Oh, okay, but great. We'll, we'll get to that later. So, so, did it happen, Cal? Did it happen? Well. It, Well,
4: it damn sure better happen now. But then everybody's talking about
2: it. No. Oh.
4: So what happened last night? Take it away. Is the the word has been spread that when and there's all sorts of you know everybody likes to say political theater these days, but it's all that's that's what they do back there. So (laughs) it's it's not nobody should be shocked. Um, The word is out that when. Congress returns from its recess for the Memorial Day break, uh, or Memorial Day weekend break, uh, Mitch McConnell is going to lead with the Great American Outdoors Act, which is something that we've talked about a bunch, and it had a bunch of steam, and I, for one, was, was very concerned on how this was going to fare with, um, you know, all of a sudden getting slapped with this pandemic life and COVID and uh, bailouts uh, around COVID. And, and we went from, you know, economy kicking ass and everybody's got jobs. To now we have some serious unemployment in the country for yeah, the first prior, time in a long time. Yeah, priorities
0: change.
2: Yeah.
4: It and got
2: treated just like my turkey
3: season.
4: It did. It did. It went, went from... The number one priority.
3: To boy, I hope I get around to that. Can you give the first? Give the cliff note version of what it is.
4: Yeah. The, so the Great American Outdoors Act is is how bills get passed these days. It's not an individual bill. It's it's a package. Um, the the major points of this package, uh, land and water conservation fund, which has just been. Man, if you've ever been interested in conservation, land and water conservation fund is something that's been talked about forever and it's been a battle. But uh, that is a a fund that basically takes a tax off of offshore oil and gas revenues and earmarks that cash specifically for uh, access programs, conservation programs um and then individual states uh, and agencies and um and uh you know it's available for private land as well can apply uh for LWCF matching grants for pro- projects um and some people dog on it with this like horrible argument of like yeah you know that really nice bike path that uh, is in my little tiny small town? That's LWCF funds. What's that do for me?
0: Um, well, it gives people that you live around <laughs> a really nice bike path. Yeah. Or do they mean, like, really, like, Dracula? Like, was it... Like, they yeah. should have divided up the money by everybody in the community and given everyone, like, a dollar?
4: Yeah, it's just, like, questions like, Well, well he, how, he doesn't ride a bike, throughout? this guy. Right. Uh-huh. But, um... Lots of city parks, um, some boat ramps, all sorts of different types of access, but...
0: Um, Cal, I once heard, I don't know if this is true or not, I once yeah. heard that every county in America has had an LWCF project.
4: Uh, boy, I don't know if I would lay it on the line to say every county, but...
0: Keep in mind, Alaska doesn't do counties, a, boroughs.
4: Every, absolutely every state, no no question whatsoever, Um, so, but there's always been this battle to have, um, both LWCF authorized and funded at the same time, which is something that we've really struggled with. Um, LWCF is in the Great American Outdoors Act, um, or sorry, funding full and permanent funding of LWCF is in the Great American Outdoors Act. That's
0: where the LWCF thing gets super complicated. It does. It's, It's like... There's authorizing it yep. so basically it would be like Cal's like hey man I want to I wanna buy a pack of gum and I'm like uh, yes you can buy a pack of gum and, and then, Cal's like but I need the money to buy the gum
4: and then you would say well that's great that's not my department <laughs> so uh, Cal you...
0: has been authorized to buy gum but doesn't have the money to buy gum so then
4: I'd go to Giannis as the chair of the house appropriations committee and I'd say "Giannis, Steve over here <laughs> has told me that it's okay to buy a pack of gum. And the pack of gum is a really nice pack of gum and it costs this much. That's what I've come to ask you for. And Giannis would say, is it really that nice pack of gum?
0: <laughs> Do you really need oh, it? Oh no, we could we could improve this because <laughs> I say, you say, um I need to buy a pack of gum uh, and my budget's a dollar. I'm allowed to spend a dollar on gum. And I'm like, yes, I authorize you to spend a dollar on gum. Then you go to Giannis and say, well, I need that dollar because I've been authorized to spend a dollar on gum. Giannis is like, I get 10 cents. Yeah. It's like a
4: lot of people need a dollar, kid. <laughs> um, So, yes, LWCF, full and permanent funding is in the Great American Outdoors Act. The other thing, and this is pretty capped, interesting. right?
0: It's like when they say full.
4: Full funding is $900 million a year. Hmm. Right but that, that is for these specific projects. I wish
0: it just gave me that money
4: um, to keep that people have to apply for. So it's not, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a cool thing. It has helped everyone, uh, whether you're in a major city center or not, or a very rural town, but they, they do. There's a lot of checks and balances to make sure that that money gets spread around so that every County thing may very well be true. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, th- there's just a lot of counties out there. So,
0: But a lot of other stuff has been rolled into the act, right?
4: Yes. Uh, the major thing that I think is pretty darn neat is, uh, again, it's kind of a weird twist because of the way the economy's gone and the jobless rate in America has gone here since people were starting to be like, oh, boy, Great American Outdoors Act could have some steam. You know, President Trump was tweeting about lwcf which is a part of the great american outdoors act um uh senator danes here in montana senator cory gardner uh in colorado have, uh you know co-signed um uh you know co-sponsored the great american outdoors act all this like good stuff 53 co-signers uh in addition to the the first seven you want know to be confusing about six, sorry, uh
0: go on was, uh, so there's 59
4: co-signers officially um which is which is a big deal uh a lot of republicans and democrats on there and then uh but like i said this odd thing Going from the steam, the momentum of like, okay, this could happen, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, we need like relief funding in this pandemic, and it just yeah made me very nervous. And
0: tax revenues are going to go down, and then oil and then oil leases are going to go down.
4: Yes, um, well, there is uh, funding in the Great American Outdoors Act for this huge national parks backlog, and a lot of folks, and I think you were kind of one of them. You're like, ah, eh, national parks. I don't play that much in national parks. Cause that's where all the people go. Um, well, there's a big push to then say, well, listen, we can put a lot of the funding towards national parks backlog, but we also have maintenance backlogs on BLM, U S fish and wildlife ground, mm-hmm. uh, Bureau of Reclamation, um, Bureau of Indian education. And so now, uh, there is dedicated funding to address uh, National Park Service still gets the kind of lion's share, but then U.S. Forest Service, BLM, Bureau of Reclamation, Bureau of Indian Education.
2: So um, yeah, 70 percent, wasn't it, that the uh, service gets and then the rest of it was split up, I think, five to 15% yeah, for the 15 percent. Yeah, 15
4: USFS, them. 555. I think that's right. I think that's right. For maintenance. So, yep, yeah, specifically for maintenance. But then the neat thing, why I keep going back to the job side of this is, uh, you know, we have changed from like the U.S. Forest Service having a crew to do everything to where they hire out contractors to do a lot of this maintenance. National Park Service, the exact same way. U.S. Fish and Wildlife, same way. So
0: It's like infrastructure spending.
4: Yeah, and we have a bunch of dedicated funding in this that will be paying contractors to do this work. So there's a lot of built in jobs in this thing, which the timing of that uh, with what's going on right now is, is,
0: is a really cool thing. So, but we're still at this moment talking about something that sh-
4: really should probably happen on uh Tuesday. So, or sorry, next month rather. Um, huh. Yeah. So Mitch McConnell, he has said he's bringing it out when uh, we come back in session after the break. Um, there is a little uncertainty because there's not this super majority that can uh, carry the the vote uh, without, through a veto. Through a veto, right? Um, the you know this has been controversial stuff because you know people are anti. Or, you know, Some people are anti-spending on public lands, but the other kind of interesting thing here is one of the things that uh, has been very consistent for folks in this weird time of getting some of our freedoms, like, hey, you really shouldn't do that in the time of COVID for the general welfare, everybody. Well, one thing everybody, for the most part, has been able to do is go outside and exercise outside. Uh, and a lot of people have now found a renewed passion for being outside. If you talk to our state agencies, with which again, I've been doing a lot, participation across the board in fishing, hunting, camping, outdoor recreation has been at an all-time high. Uh, if you want to get back into it, my favorite subject, tag allocation. Uh, I was talking to my friends in Idaho, and they're like, oh, man. Uh, would have been real hard to draw a tag this year because we've had record-breaking submissions hmm. for uh, draw tags.
2: Yeah, I heard the same thing happen so, in Colorado. I heard an interesting number yesterday. Um, Minnesota, year to date, their uh, fishing license sales up 40%. No way. 40%.
0: Wow.
4: Wow. Man, that's scary. Logs so, l- l- are, the- are
2: getting out.
0: Again, the stage is set. That's really something. So the so we need to do this thing, man, because you got people want to get out. We got to be ready for them. Even the national park people. Yep.
4: And, like, this is something that has a bunch of jobs built in. It's got a bunch of needs that we need to take care of built in. If you think there's too many people out there recreating with 40% more people out buying fishing licenses... Uh, LWCF, you know, takes some time, but it can help spread out people by providing more access. There you go. There's a lot of really good stuff in here, and it takes so much freaking work and time to get one of these packages that, you know, is not a, a defense contract or all these other things that seem to take. Yeah. Take precedence, uh to the floor.
0: You know how so people are always thing, saying, uh, "Call your representatives." Call your representatives. Don't yes. call them. Throw them into a stranglehold, man.
4: Yeah, just just explain. Put some to pressure them what, to them. Come what on, What
0: do you do? Come on, come on.
4: Yeah, baby. come on, come how on. How much time you spend out there? How much money you spend out <laughs> there? Taking the family outside. Now. It's a big deal, Got and the time's the now.
2: Stranglehold,
4: baby. If you want to sit on your duff uh, and not talk about conservation stuff or 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 uh, pretend like you care. Uh, just make <laughs> make one phone call on this, and then you can be like, yeah, that biggest thing that's ever come around in our lifetime, I was a part of that. I made a phone call and told them to vote for it. That would be a good time so to it act it still right would
0: be helpful, even though we're on the cusp, it'd still be helpful just to give it the extra oomph.
4: Yeah. Yep, you can go uh, and check out the actual bill. It'll tell you who's already co-signed. Um oh, is can, that right, really? Yep, yeah, you can...
0: You and can, If your guy's not on there, your guy your woman's not on there, you can give them the heat. You can
4: give them the heat, but also call those people that have co-signed and say thank you. Uh, they need to hear that stuff, too. They never hear thank you enough, that's you know, for sure. You know but people so- in
0: Michigan are showing up at the state capitol armed because they want to get some of the restrictions eased? Yep. How come people don't show up armed about the, uh, the LWCF down there?
4: Man, I had too many acronyms, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, this this is a big one. Call, call your representative. Tell them you want them to pass the Great American Outdoors Act.
0: Do you feel, uh, Cal, you're a cynical man. Yep,
4: it's true. Um, you're <laughs> okay. a
0: skeptical man and a cynical man. My favorite quote being, uh, skepticism is the chastity of the intellect. Mm. But you're a cynical man. Do you feel that calling your representatives... Are you just twiddling your thumbs when you call your representatives, Cal?
4: No, no, I don't think so. I don't think it has the impact that, uh, you want it to. Like I feel oftentimes, uh, if, if you have your ducks in a row and you tell this awesome story and and you make that aid on the, on the other end of the phone, uh, cry over the, for the sympathy for your plight, uh, that aid's just gonna, uh, Mark uh, another notch in the for or against column and move on to the next one. Oh, like
0: regardless of, yeah. Yeah. Like the intensity of the plea might not matter.
4: Might not matter. That's
0: what I heard. I was asking sort of a hypothetical question, or not a leading, I don't know what kind of question. The question where you kind of already know the answer to it. But I've talked to representatives um, who have said on some issues where it's not like a huge, on some issues where it's not, it doesn't become like a big party thing, or it doesn't become like super. Uh, partisan polarizing in a partisan way and you have to like go with things and it just is you know just a, some issue that doesn't become overly politicized that they will literally calls and letters and they run a tally and it's like the y- your constituents seem to be falling very cleanly in favor of this and it's like got it yep that's how I'll go
4: yep um, yeah, that's so that's still
0: like good old stuff like that still happens.
4: Yeah. I mean, a written letter emails, um, you know, form letters are super easy, but it's not, uh, much harder at all to just write an individual letter that isn't attached to a form letter. I, I, I think that is more impactful. Um, but man, a phone call is so fast, so
2: efficient. That's what those folks yeah, do I on the other Yeah, I feel like hand. it's easier to make the phone call. Oh, for sure. They're always real polite. Oh, thanks for calling and glad to hear you're, you know, involved. Okay, bye.
4: Yep. I mean, yep, they're going to ask minute. you where you live, you know, because they want to know if you're in their uh, zone or not, yep. you know. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's something everybody's got to be a part of. If not this issue, something else. If you're listening to this show, this is damn sure your issue. So get off your duff and call. Write an email, uh, and be a part of the process.
0: I got a stranglehold so stuck in my head right now. <laughs> well, we, before our live show in Detroit got canceled, you know what we had planned for it? I did, I'm sorry, postponed, not canceled. It's postponed, and we'll still do it anyway. But my buddy from high school, John Merchant, he likes to play guitar. And when we were little kids, he not kids, like high schoolers, he always uh like he could play all the Nugent songs, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, we we're gonna have John come out with his guitar at the live show, and we we're gonna do Nugent name that tune, and John was gonna play uh. Opening licks to see who can name the song fastest.
4: Wango Tango, and then we'll have a green tree and an axe sitting there. <laughs> oh, uh, are we doing uh, concluders here? Oh yeah, let doing? it rip, Cal. Okay, so I got a, a good one. <laughs> Please, that's been bugging me. Um, all right, so you guys got. I'm make this real quick, and it's a, uh, just up for everybody to judge here.
0: Moment, you're gonna say something that's been bugging you, and I'm gonna judge it.
4: Yep. Well, I mean, you got it's a scenario, right? So. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, suburbs, of Oklahoma city. Mm -hmm. These two kids are out fishing in their neighborhood pond, Mm -hmm. uh, which legal to do so. Legal or illegal? Legal. It is legal to fish the neighborhood pond. Got it. And they're, uh, fishing for bass in the neighborhood pond. Uh, and they, I want to say they're somewhere in that 12 to 14 year old range. The horrible age. Yeah, for full of mischief, right? Mm -hmm. I sure was. A lot of trouble happens in there. I caught a lot of largemouth bass in them years. (laughs) Vehicle shows up. An adult man steps out, walks to the water's edge with a cast net, uses the cast net to pull uh, approximately three-pound bass off a bed, and then drops that bass in the bucket next to him. The kids know that this is illegal. And they decide to go up and talk to the adult and just let him know that this is an illegal activity. And he begins to cuss the kids out, you know, basically like, mind your own business. And at that point, the kids call Fish and Game, Fish and Wildlife.
2: Really? Uh-huh. I should have been talking bad about kids that age. Yeah, astute little buggers.
4: And. The uh, then they say, "Hey, just so you know, you know, we called Fish and Wildlife. They even went as far to explain to the guy before they called Fish and Wildlife that you can keep a bass with a rod and reel." So they <laughs> they're like, "If you're really interested in keeping a bass, you can keep one if you catch it with a rod and reel." Yeah, like,
0: gee, Mister. Yeah, just fish for him.
4: Yeah. Uh, so then now this guy's real irate, and he's still cussing at these t- at these kids. Um, and then uh, drives off, thinks better of it, jumps out, runs down to the water's edge, throws the bass back, continues to cuss at the kids, <laughs> uh, jumps in the vehicle, and drives off. Uh, and then uh, later on, uh, Fishing Game catches up with him, writes him a ticket, huh. uh, which he 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 pays in full. Um, we should send these kids something. What was the ticket for? Uh, illegal means of take, I think. Illegal. F- Cast nut and bass. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I notice in the uh, the video footage, the kid's wearing a first light hat. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, Karum is his name. K-A-R-U-M. And his buddy Ryder were the two kids. And... Uh, huh. We should send so something. I reach out to the father, right? I don't want to reach out to the 14 yeah, year old yeah. kid without talking to, to his folks first. Responsible. Um, and the guy's like, hey, thank you so much for reaching out. There's some folks on social media that are uh, calling the kids a bunch of names. They're taking it pretty hard. And then he said, calling them
0: names for what? For uh, turning the guy in. Yeah, but the guy, the, he, if the guy would have thrown the bass back in the lake, they would not have turned him in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the part of the concert,
4: the conversation I had with the dad uh, was fun though too, because he's like, "Yeah, they're taking it pretty hard. They're, I mean, they're out fishing right now." But... <laughs> 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 so the kids like they're fishing and they're protecting their fishing hole, and, and I just wanted to throw that story out and see what what the general sentiment was around this table. As to uh just just the whole thing, as far as like I think we should send those kids
0: some stuff, man, but yeah. it's a job well done. I mean, they gave an adult
3: they're checking out they're looking out for the resource, man, the predator husbands his prey, and they're pretty educated on the whole system, which is impressive, yeah. you know. Um, th- they're acting more responsible than a lot of adults would have acted. You know? And if yeah. the
0: story played out like you're talking about, if the dude had been like, oh, man, dude, sorry, throw the bass back, we wouldn't yeah. be talking about well, it. Well, it
3: seems like that guy had, like, a system. Like, you don't just run <laughs> out of your car with a cast net and be like, huh, wonder what will happen. Like, <laughs> he's got it coming, man.
4: Well, it sounds
2: like he might have been doing some bucket biology.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: That's interesting.
2: Stocking stalking
0: his own pond somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
0: uh, we should send something of those kids. He had a first light hat.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, a video I can't find it. any. I can't find any faults or any holes like with the story.
0: Yeah, ratting the dude out, but like again, I wasn't yeah. there. But he rat, so I can see like, oh, it's bad to rat somebody out. I can see someone making that argument, but if uh, if the dude's getting testy with them, what are they supposed to do? Fight them? Well, and
4: that's the thing. It's like this is a full blown adult, and you look at these these kids, and I I hope uh, you guys don't get embarrassed on this one, but they're like. You know, little skinny, haven't quite, uh, you know, beefed up yet.
0: I'm, I haven't either. Yeah,
4: you know, <laughs> Steve hasn't either. Um, but, and then the other cool thing, the cool part of this is, there, a good Samaritan steps forward. Uh, Grogus, I think is this guy's name. Um, and he recalls his own terrible experience with an adult fishing as a kid. Uh, where some guy lost his temper and he uh, recalls not ever even wanting to go back to that whole lake. And so he got a hold of these two kids, bought them uh, Oklahoma lifetime fishing license apiece. No way, really? Yeah. And uh, a gift card to Cabela's or Bass Pro or something. Oh, that's like that. great. Man. Yes. Yeah. And that's the way you should act. Huh. Not tormenting these kids because they did the right thing. Especially if you
3: like to fish.
2: That's interesting. That's a lovely, heartwarming story. Isn't I think my, it? my only Dude, we should started with that damn story. Is that uh, I just don't think it was a concluder. It's not, it doesn't fit into usually what a concluder is. No, that'd be I like
0: think... another talking point, Cal. <laughs>
4: yeah, I know. I just wanted to hear what you guys say. It's like... Now, watch. I'll twist it into a concluder. Have
0: you ever been like, oh, Here, watch this. I'll be like, uh, <laughs> man, I just want to say, Cal, that that stuff you were talking about earlier, um, that warms my heart, buddy. That's a concluder. <laughs> well, I don't have a concluder.
2: So. <laughs> I like the story, Cal. It's a good, like that good story. way to, to end the day. Oh, man. Yeah, I wish we had a great uplifting story like that. I it's wish those kids could come podcast. on the show,
0: man. i just like to ask them a few questions.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I told them uh, I wrote this up on the Week in Review podcast.
0: Cal's Week in Review. Cal's Week in Review. Best thing on the internet. I'm like... Just type that and you'll pull up Cal's Week in Review.
4: Those... <laughs> Those
0: uh yeah, those boys can fish with me. Uh last quick thing, let's say we all got anything to add. Uh I I I've come to a thing on puffballs.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm like, it's hard to see something in the woods that's edible and not pick it. I saw it, I grabbed it, man. <laughs> but <sighs> You're not having good luck with them? I'm almost gonna I have yet to eat in my life, and I've ate a fair number of them. I've yet to eat a puffball where I was. The other night we were eating those morels, and you're like, damn, those are good. Duh, they're good. Hand of the Woods. Man, that's good. It's so good.
2: Bleats. So good. Yeah, what are the orange ones? Chantrell. Yeah, we found last you're year. Like, yeah. Then, yeah, Sweet
4: mother...
0: It's just good.
4: You're patting yourself on the back. Good job picking that up.
0: <laughs> every time, every time I eat a puffball, every time someone picks a puffball, every time someone makes me a puffball pizza, it doesn't matter what it is, I'm always like, eh,
3: eh.
2: Yeah, for sure. Nah. It's, it's edible, and it's not bad, but... It's not bad. Yeah, you don't have to pick them up. Yeah, I think the morel just, you're not going to walk away from.
1: They're just like very complimentary to whatever you're making. Like or on, a, on a burger, in a steak sauce, something like that. But like you're not going to eat it on its own as an appetizer. We found two giant puffballs. Freshies. I'd say not the size of a
0: normal head, but the size of Cal's head. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got a BS. <laughs> is that,
2: that, is that bigger or smaller than a normal head? Smaller. <laughs> no, like a puffball
0: the size of Spencer's head. Now, that's a puffball. That's a big puffball. all ball. this beard. But a yeah. puffball the size of Cal, like Cal's head is about the size of a softball. <laughs> Built for
2: speed.
0: <his> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, puffball like that. What, what, I can't remember, what
3: it, it was it had like a chemical. This one had met metallic kind yeah, what of. What was chemical. weird is Brody
0: picked a nice one, but then we let it sit a couple days, yeah. and, it, and it,
3: it got a little it went soft. south. But it wasn't like it's still white in it wasn't the middle. Shot, but then yeah.
0: but then me and my boy picked one that was like firm, nice. Like any puff ball is edible. Like tech, you know, any puff ball is edible. If you cut it open, um, and it's white inside, it's fine. Eventually they they turn darker 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 black and then you can squeeze them and you know the spores shoot up in the air it looks like a smoke bomb at fourth of july but cut one open white cut it into slices uh i can't remember what we did we wound up like i think we just put it on foil on a grill yep shitload of olive oil yep which makes anything be okay and in the end it was like you couldn't kids didn't like it it's
3: kind of pasty in the middle
0: it's like tofu-y
3: yeah yeah
0: Kind of done with those sons of bitches. That's all, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on! I got uh, all on No, I'm joking. Oh no, go ahead. Give the counterpoint. This is like one of those shows, like point counterpoint. Oh
4: no, I'm 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 with you. I'm I think (laughs) I think puffballs for burgers are, are where it's at. Cause I just do like garlic butter and then I'd just have the puff balls all sliced up in there.
0: And you just lay it on top of a burger. And I
4: just lay it on top of a burger and, and nobody, and a lot of times I'd, I'd, I'll do bacon burgers and then be, uh, when folks aren't looking, I'll be transferring that bacon grease into the butter dish also. Nobody's walking away from one of those puff ball mushrooms,
0: right? And it's like. <laughs> and then winds up being good. Yeah. But like, okay, let me yeah. ask you why though?
4: Oh, I mean, because you've doctored it all up. But it winds up
1: being,
0: like, fun to eat the mushroom. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think their their nickname is, like, the breakfast mushroom because what you should do with a puffball is, like, toss it in an omelet, toss it with eggs, put it in a burrito, something like that. How can you say that its nickname is the breakfast mushroom? But then
0: say that it's not a widely held belief that pine squirrels bite the nuts off other squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. Uh, uh, maybe uh, like one person called it the breakfast mushroom? I don't know. Oh, I love it. Put in
1: the truth about breakfast mushrooms. Um, it, are, are you typing in breakfast mushroom, Yanni?
2: I'm going to type in puffball mushroom nickname. <laughs> See what happens. it will be great. Spencer's blog. It's going to be my article. <laughs>
3: All right, who else has got a concluder? I'm good. I like Cal's story. Yeah. Can't, yeah. It's hard to top
1: it. Well, I, I want to make a defense of my breakfast mushroom thing here real quick. <laughs> the, okay. Yeah,
2: that's a good concluder. From,
1: from, from, well, I'm, I, I have another concluder yet, so this one doesn't count. I'll give this you is just, mine. This, this is a follow-up to yes, the yes, yes, yes. Uh, from the book Wild About Mushrooms, the cookbook of the Mycological Society of San Francisco. They say some people refer to puffballs as breakfast mushrooms because they blend so well with eggs. Okay. That seems definitive enough to me.
0: Sure. I'll buy it. Okay. Okay.
1: So, my- I was my, wrong. My, you are right. My concluder- I was, <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, I, I'm convinced that a recent episode had the best, most unexpected thing ever said on it that I heard over quarantine. Recent episode of what? Of the Meat Eater podcast. This very show. Yes. Was it something you said? No, 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 no. Oh, no please. I've, I've been, please. I've, tell been, us. I've been catching I'm up, up over here. I, I, something I
4: read on a blog by <laughs> Spencer Newhart.
1: Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The, the best, most unexpected thing I've ever heard on the Meat Eater podcast. Um, I've been catching I'm up tiddling. over quarantine. And I've, I've thought about this once a day, I swear to you, since I heard it. But I haven't seen you guys because of social distancing to bring it up. But in episode 218. Kevin Murphy uh, was talking to you guys. And if I were introducing one of you, if I were, uh, like, introducing Brody to somebody who didn't know Brody, I'd be like, "Uh, this is my buddy Brody. He just moved here from Colorado. Yeah, I'd be like, you know that little shit, Brody? Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, this is my buddy Giannis. Uh, He used to guide elk hunters. Something like that. Like, that's that's just, like, a pretty normal Mm -hmm. introduction. Mm -hmm. Kevin Murphy blindsided you guys with something that I think you were so caught off guard you didn't even address it. (laughs) But Kevin Murphy said, uh, does he listen to this podcast? I don't know. Probably not. I wouldn't be surprised to hear he does not. Okay. Well, you're going to need to reach out anyway. To, He's busy. To, like, put a bow on this. But he said something about, I was with my buddy Raymond, and Raymond doesn't let me go into gentlemen's clubs in foreign countries. And then he just moved on from there. <laughs> never, Never brought it back to that. It had nothing to do with the rest of the two hours that you guys talked. But that was his footnote on his buddy Raymond.
0: Like, if you want to know what kind of guy Raymond <laughs> yes. is, yes. he does not let you go into gentlemen's clubs in foreign countries. So, and I, I've, I've, I, yeah, you're like, okay, so he's he's cool-headed. He thinks ahead.
1: He doesn't, know, get, also, he doesn't get carried away in the moment. I was waiting for something to come back to that story or, like, how is this relevant? And it never happened. And it, it's bothered me. Uh, because I, I, I t- I'm telling you, I thought about it every single day. Since I can speak to that
2: a little bit because I certainly caught that when he said it. And the thing that c- came to mind to me, I was like, well, Kevin, to me, that says that you were on your way to a gentleman's club in a foreign country. And your buddy thought better of it. And he stopped it, you know, So it kind of said a little bit about Kevin, which
1: I don't know if he yeah, was. Maybe Raymond's got
4: a service background, <laughs> merchant marine, something like that. You
1: know? I just want to know what inspired like that specific footnote. There has to be some sort of email them and ask them. Yeah. And you can report back to us. Do do you even recall that being said, Steve?
0: No, but like, I feel like I'm trying to like, I'll, if I have someone on, sometimes I'll have someone on and I'll go back and listen because I'm trying to do a lot of things in my head.
2: Hosting. Mm -hmm. And the thing with Kevin too, man, he, uh, he, he uh, has the gift of gab, and it flows oh, from man. one thought to the next and one idea to the next pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a thought and, that I uh, want to
1: pin down. Yeah. Yeah, well, we can follow up on that. Okay. Keeping you up at night, huh?
0: Speaking so, of, uh, yes. this is my concluder. You got one, too. Oh, you still got a concluder, though. No, 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 that was it. No, oh, I gave
2: I gave Spencer mine. So you
0: got one, but I'm going to do a story for a concluder <laughs> about going to gentlemen's clubs in foreign countries.
2: <laughs> I uh,
0: One time I was working on this magazine story and I had to go to Santiago in Chile. And I just started dating my wife and I brought her with me and I, uh, we had hired a guy. I need, needed to hire like a, a translator and someone to help out with stuff. Um, and so he, I said, man, I really want to get a cup of coffee. And he said, well, how about a coffee with legs? And I thought he meant like a strong coffee. So I'm like, yeah, what other kind is there? Right. Or whatever the hell I said, I'm like, I would like, that's what I thought he meant. But no, what he means is he takes us to this, like, underground arcade in Santiago, and it's uh, coffee shops that are staffed by naked women. So, and it's businessmen doing business meetings. It's black, there's black lights. It's full of, like, businessmen at 11 in the morning having meetings and And you're being waited on and served coffee by nude women. And so I'm with my wife. So I'm trying very hard to not look at anything. I'm just like not looking at anything. So all three of you went to get a coffee there. Me, the translator, and my wife are sitting very awkwardly. And he's like, isn't it great? Isn't it great? You know, And I'm sitting there like, I'm not looking. I'm not doing anything. And I had my notebook out because I was taking some notes. And eventually my wife took my notebook and she drew a picture in it. And I looked and it was a woman. It was a picture of a woman holding a pair of scissors and a man's scrotum. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Gentlemen's clubs in foreign countries, man. Go ahead, Yanni. No, I'll, I'll let it end on that. that was oh, yeah. I didn't have one. I gave it to Spencer, I said. Oh. Well, what was yours? Kevin, Kevin Murphy. Murphy. No, you said that was the thought.
1: No, no, no. The no, puffball no. thing was me doing a follow-up. The concluder was that Kevin Murphy had the greatest, most unexpected line in your podcast history.
0: Okay. Phil, help us out here now. Now, uh, Phil the engineer, please provide a concluder so we can wrap her up. You got one minute.
3: Well, I was just going to say – I was actually going to try to cut you guys off because I thought the the picture your wife drew into the laughter – Agree. Bring the music up. That's that's the end of the podcast. Oh, go ahead and do that,
0: Phil. I'll do it. Is it too late? No. Can we talk about this and then have that happen? And it, you could we can no talk about this going to
3: hear what we're talking about. But right let's now. say they did.
0: Let's say you played this and then did what you would have done, right? And show that you were right. Okay. Let's do that. That's like Do that. Now back up and do what you would have done, right? Okay, here we go. <laughs>
4: here comes the end, folks.
0: It was a picture of a woman holding a pair of scissors and a man's scrotum. <laughs> 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 yeah. Gentlemen's clubs and foreign conscience, man. Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit aarons.com to see what I'm talking about approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply you got to see your local store for details this show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp it is a simple truth no matter who you are mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference that's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.